against Jeremy McGovern. Big mark by the Texan, 20 metres out, plays on, and he's in front of the Coleman! The Texan's in front, it's all to do for Charlie Curdo now! Tex has got his name on the Coleman! Yes, bigger than Texan. And in the end, Charlie Curnow was. He kicked three goals in the last game, of course, Carlton versus GWS, to take the Coleman medal back. But what a performance by Taylor Walker. Nine goals against West Coast. 19 goals in two games against the West Coast Eagles. Good text coming through from Lisa from Allenbrook on the temper at Bedshed text line. She says, Morning, Duff and team. Weedering's contact to the face only warrants a fine. And also, Lisa says, very much overkill on the score reviews over the weekend, in my opinion. There's a lot of time being wasted. Goal umpires are second-guessing themselves now. If it's been called a goal, why can't the ball be taken back to the centre? Thanks for that, Lisa. Good, strong opinion. Well, joining me on the show now is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian. We're going to talk all matters WA football. Cod, welcome to the show. How are you, Duff? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Uh, And we've gotten through another AFL home and away season, and I guess we should start with West Coast. What happens now? Well, now the board have to make the big decision that they've delayed for most of the year. And it's, a, it's really interesting, I reckon, how the, the chatter around it now, how the momentum around it has changed. If you'd said at the start of the year that they were going to do a Ken Hinckley-type decision and you know, wait until August or wait until September to make a call, and you said, well, they finished on the bottom of the ladder with three wins and a percentage of 53, you'd say the coach can't possibly survive. And if you said, well, they've lost five games by 100 points, you'd say the coach can't possibly survive. But it feels like the momentum has shifted towards Adam Simpson in recent weeks, ever since that derby, ever since we knew that he asked for some clarity because it's been drawn out. And now people are starting to push for him to remain. Power brokers are pushing for him, players are pushing for him, fans are pushing for him, and I'm starting to get the feeling he might survive. Yeah, I think it's in the balance. I think it's certainly not a cut-and-dried thing that Adam Simpson goes. You're right, the record says he shouldn't. Um, and the level of performance says he shouldn't. But having said that, he's a premiership coach. He's been a good coach over a long period of time for West Coast. I guess it comes down to whether he can rediscover the energy to take a young group forward. Do you see that in him? And that, that's something that's really difficult for him, I reckon. And in fact, he asked the question of the board, that I need clarity around my future. I reckon that's a sign that even he was doubting himself at that point. Um, so it's not easy to, to, to really do. He, he's never been in a position where he's had to do it. He, as we've said the other week, was, he's a North Melbourne player, which was always competing at the top most of the time. They'd go down for one year and come back up. So he, he hasn't had, had to really experience those shocking seasons as a player, and he's never had it before now as a coach either. So it takes a lot of energy, takes a lot of hard work, takes a lot of frustration. Um, and, and other than the fact that he's got a contract for two years, I'm not sure it's a job that you would voluntarily take on. Yeah, it's a fascinating one for me, Cotto. It's, it's an enormous job. You wonder whether he gets through to the end of it anyway and whether if there could be an agreement struck with the board where you know he gets most or even all of his contract, whether um, that might be a better outcome for him. What did you make of them on Saturday against the Crows? They played that, that first two and a half quarters with what's been missing all year. You know, Gaff's chase down tackle of Joshua Shelley we haven't seen anything like that from, from West Coast where someone's made up 10 metres over the course, you know, what was a 30-metre run by Australia, the two bounces. So that sort of absolute intent and, and effort to, to do everything possible 
every single contest, no matter what. Um, that's what's been missing. Well, we've seen teams kick 15, 16, 17, eight goals like it's been the case this year. So they, they were motivated, uh, and they've been motivated ever since, since the last uh, clarity, and they realised, oh, my God, he might actually go. Jerry McGovern goes back with the flight against the Western Bulldogs last week and almost destroys himself. Um, we saw Josh Wallen go back with the flight really strongly on the weekend put his body on the line. So so Noah Long, the, the tackling was there, the chasing was there, the harassing was there. They weren't just allowing things to happen. And that showed that they were up and about again. And you wonder why hasn't that been there the entire time? And that might be the thing that the board turn around and say, well, why couldn't Adam inspire them to do this earlier on in the year? Why did it take until now for them to see he's under pressure for them to lift? The flip side, of course, is that um, their waffle team, with, I think, 12 AFL-listed players, got absolutely belted by South Fremantle, who aren't very good either this year. So, yes, we've seen the senior players stand up for Adam, but what about the younger players who are the ones he's predominantly going to be coaching going forward? I was concerned by that. Um, yeah, it wasn't good, was it? It was a horrible stat to look at at the end of that game. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, um, and and that that's a major problem for West Coast because they are going to have a very uh, young list, they are going to have a lot of young players running around the waffle. They need to fix that. Craig, can you believe that they had a season like they've had and there hasn't been an independent review called by the club into the club? I mean, I'm not saying Adam Simpson should stay or go. I'm not saying Trevor Nisbet should stay or go. But shouldn't they call someone in to try and get the right answer? Shouldn't the board have done this by now? That would make absolute perfect sense, wouldn't it? They did a review of sorts of their of their injuries and why, and why that was occurring, but they tend to go to the same sorts of people who they know when, when these sorts of things occur rather than going really externally and finding someone who they've had no association with at all. So um, they, they need to get someone to have a look at the club as a whole and say, well, this is where your problems lie and this is where you need to do to fix it. And we've seen it with other clubs who have gone and we've got people from other states to come in and, and review them or other sports to come in and review them or other businesses to come in and review them. West Coast haven't done that and they're sticking with the, well, we've been uh, a lower team before and got out of it, so we'll follow that process and everything will be okay. Um, that doesn't always happen. You can have a really good draft and you can pick some generational talent like Nick Natanui and Chris Judd or you end up with a draft where you get players who are just normal players who are good players but aren't going to ever be superstars. So um, they can't be just sitting back saying it'll be okay because we've been okay in the past. Craig, breaking news from the AFL. Laura Kane has been appointed the AFL Executive General Manager of Football and Josh Marnie is the new AFL General Manager of Footy Operations. Of course, Laura was the acting AFL Executive General Manager of Football, now continuing in the role on a permanent basis. And Josh Marnie, you'll uh, identify with this, he was the former Executive General Manager of Footy as what you describe as the mighty Essendon Football Club, also played 97 games, <laughs> including the 2004 flag with Port Adelaide. What do you make of those appointments? Uh, it's good they finally appointed somebody. It's the most important thing. Um, they had to get that, those jobs locked away because uh, football has struggled without them. The football department of the AFL is so important. It can't just be a business. You have to actually get that footy part correct. Uh, and we've seen so many issues throughout the year, which is frustrating club. So Laura Kane's been in football for a long time, really, really experienced uh, and is highly rated. The clubs have talked up um, her quite highly uh, from the jobs that she has been doing. So it's great for her and Josh Marnie's been 
been around forever and a day, like as a premiership player at Port Adelaide, uh, extremely experienced from an admin point of view across multiple clubs. Um, so it's good that they get into these positions full-time now and, and hopefully can have an impact during the finals, which we don't want to have any of these controversies we've had during the home and away season during the finals. We need the final series to be just streamed through quite simply and make sure that the best team wins and there's no controversies. West Coast are now in possession of the number one draft pick again after a crazy day on Saturday where, well, crazy two weeks really, where they had it, lost it, then got it back again, North Melbourne had it and lost it. What do you need, what incentive do you need if you're West Coast to split that pick or do you just take Harley Reid? I reckon you need to know that Harley Reid definitely wants to come first and foremost. If there's any doubts around Harley being a flight risk, which a lot of players are these days, let's face them, and especially those who, um, uh, of Harley's generation who were stuck at home in Victoria for a couple of years with, with COVID, they um, would be a bit more of a challenge, I would expect, just because of the lives that they've lived uh, than, than anyone in, in the past. So uh, you need to know he wants to come. Uh, and then if you can get two picks inside the top 10 for him and you think one of them can be Dan Curtin, um, then... You can go for a local. You can then get the second player who's going to be, whether it's a Victorian or, or another West Australian or, or whatever, two players is better than one. Anyone can do a knee. Anyone can have concussion issues. Anyone can just not be the player you thought they were going to be. So I think two players for the price of one is always a better scenario. Um, and, yes, Harley Reid might end up becoming a Brownway medalist and a, and a superstar, but he can't do it by himself. And we saw at Carlton, they had three number one draft picks in as many years, in Cruiser, Mark Murphy and Gibbs, and then brought in Chris Judd, and it still didn't work for them. So uh, you need to have players who you can build an entire group around and hopefully in their similar type of age group. So, um, yeah, no guarantees. If you can get two, I'd go for two. Yeah, I would too, absolutely, particularly, as you mentioned, if one of them is Curtin. It'd be interesting to see if West Coast were to go to North Melbourne. Do you think North Melbourne can possibly get the number three pick as compensation for um, Ben Mackay? I mean, Ben Mackay is not a number three draft pick player, is he? No, but neither was James Frawley. And when he left Melbourne, they got that pick as well. So we all know that the system is designed to make sure that the AFL can help clubs in a way and just look around and say, well, what they need? And it can be the secret herbs and spices, as it's often referred to, is not that good. But if the contract comes out and says that it matches the criteria, well, they can give them whatever they think is necessary at the time. And it's always happened throughout the AFL. I think it's crazy that Buddy Franklin was... You know, I think it was 18 to pick in the draft at the time um, when he left Hawthorne under free agency and Ben Mackay will be a, a number three pick in the draft. That's part of the system doesn't work. Um, but it will never change because the AFL wants to make sure that the lower clubs are awarded in, in as many ways as possible. And it's good when you think about it that if, you lo- if you're a lower team, you're just losing someone to a team that's going to play finals. You should be recompensed a bit better than um, the teams that just go and steal these guys all the time. But the system makes no sense from a uh, strategic point of view when you look at it and say, well, how did they come to this decision? It makes sense from a strategic point of view. The AFL just makes it up as they go along. And you're right, they help the clubs that they think need help. So um, I'm just looking at the value of the player and thinking, well, Ben Mackay is more like a number 20 pick than a number number three pick in the draft. Hey, um, where does West Coast finish next year? Bottom four again. 
uh, is, is the most obvious thing. They've, they've obviously lost Nat Nui, they've lost Huey, and they've lost Hearn straight away. Um, you can't have any real confidence in the guys who've been injured for several years that they are going to ever be the players they were. Um, or that they'll even get out in the track again. So that's always a concern for them. And they've got a lot of those folks who are um, on the wrong side of 30 with bodies that are broken, unfortunately. And the, when, in terms of the youth coming through, we've seen some, some strong performances spasmodically, but not really consistently, which is what you get from most young players. Uh, so they're going to bring in some more young players next year, and it's going to be a really young-looking team with players hoping they can play NFL football rather than knowing they can play NFL football. And there's a massive difference in your own when you go out there hoping you can do something. Let's talk about the other team in town, of course, the Fremantle Dockers. Big win on the weekend over Hawthorne, but you'd have to think Liam Henry's leaving, wouldn't you? If you haven't signed a contract by now, then it tends to indicate you're out the door. There's very few guys who um, get to this point of the season and stay. So, yeah, you would think he's gone, which is a shame because he's finally starting to show what he was drafted as. He was in the same draft class as Hayden Young, Caleb Sarong, and they've been... Um, faster in their development to get to the, the players that they are. But they've now seen what Liam Henry can do, and his run's been important for them. Um, it's something that they've, they've really lacked throughout um, different points of the season. So uh, that sort of player will definitely be missed. Um, and they invested a lot of him as an academy player and a top-ten pick. So uh, it does look like he's gone, and uh, they now have to find a way to get the most for him. What's he worth at the trade table, Craig? Well, he's not worth what they paid for him, that's for sure. Um, so he's not, he's not a top 10 pick. He's not, I don't think he's even a first round pick now. So he's probably an, a, a mid 20s pick. Um, and that, that's not what you want for a player who you, you pick in the top 10 because he took too long to come on for them um, and was inconsistent for too much of a period. So you're not going to expect to be able to get what you've initially outlaid for him, unfortunately, for, for Fremantle. So, yeah, I think mid 20s would be something which would probably be fair enough. Yeah, I reckon something in the mid-20s. I suspect if Fremantle gets offered something in the mid-20s for Liam Henry, they'll be very tempted to to take it, although there's, there's always haggling and uh, negotiating on these things. When you look at Frio's season, 5 of 12 at home, that is going to make you miss finals every time, isn't it? Especially when you if you change that stat and say take out the games against West Coast, it's three of ten at home. Um, so because so, those West Coast games, let's face it, not everyone was beating West Coast throughout the year. Although that round three derby, um, the Eagles uh, hadn't fallen off the perch as much as what they had by the time it was the end of the season. But yeah, their, their inability to play well at home has cost them uh, significantly. Their inability to play well against teams that make the finals was a real problem. Also, they only won two games against teams that have finished in the top eight. So um, they weren't a team that. Was able, that you could rely on, that you knew what you were going to get every single week. Uh, and that's ended up with them being a 10-win season and a percentage of 96. So uh, they're, they're mid-table at the moment. That's what they deserve to be after the year they produced. And we, they didn't seem to know what they wanted to be, even from the start of the year. They were, the players were talking about themselves as being a, a top-four team who wanted to challenge for, for a premiership. They had clearly moved a lot of players on and, uh, to try and bring Luke Jackson in and, and change the, the makeup of their list, which became a lot younger. And that list didn't look like a top-four team, and they've ended up being a team which is, you know, as we said, mid-table and in development mode again, which would be frustrating if you're a Fremantle fan. Would you trade Sean Darcy if you're the Dockers? I'd, I'd certainly entertain the idea of it. Yeah, if I can get because he's never going to be 
uh, more important from a trade perspective. Uh, Luke Jackson's been really good as a ruckman uh, and uh, didn't look as good as a forward. And what we've seen with Max Gorn and Brodie Grundy this year, with Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson this year, is ruckmen expected to be ruckmen. They're really good when they play in the ruck because that's what they are. They're not that good when they go forward. And they expect to be playing 90% ruck. So it's hard to have two in the same team. It always sounds good. Uh, it's like, oh, we can get the most amazing ruck combination of all time, but it means that someone spends half the game being paid a lot of money to not do what they're really, really good at. And I think you're better off trying to have someone in the position that they're really good at and investing that sort of money elsewhere to have someone else in a position that they're really good at. Um, and at the moment, it just doesn't look like any team is going to ever really be able to put two quality ruckmen in the team and have them work the way that they dream in their heads. I think they can work. It's just I, I think I just wonder whether their resources would be better invested elsewhere and whether they would get a better outcome. I think they're different. So they can work together in a way that, say, Grundy and Gorn can't work together. And we saw, let's face it, we saw Jackson and Gorn win a flag together at Melbourne. So, But to me, do you want that much money and that those sort of contracts invested into Ruckman when you could invest them somewhere else? Hey, um, where do they finish next year? They'll be around the, the same area. I would have thought they'll have a better draw, which will help them. So they, they won 10 games this year. If they could get 12 games next year, then they're pushing for the eight yet again. I think they're, uh, they're at least another year away with the, with the young guys they've got in there. We don't know how Fife will be next year. Tabernacle keeps breaking down. Michael Walters is a year older also. So the, the guys who are on the wrong side of 30 pushing um, in that direction aren't going to get any better. So can they add to their midfield significantly more? Are the kids going to come on really quickly? It's hard to do that. So... They might finish bottom of the eight, but I can't see them being the team they expect to be or want to be as part of this strategic plan of being a top four team and challenging for a flag. If you're an All-Australian selector and you're picking the squad, not the team, because I don't think either of them make the team, but would you have Tim Kelly and Caleb Sarong in your initial All-Australian squad? Yeah, I think they're locked for the squad. They've been magnificent all year, the two of them. Uh, Kelly's been the player that West Coast wanted to recruit uh, back when they when he joined the club. As a, these first couple of years, he found it a bit harder to get into the system and understand what West Coast were doing and, and be the player that he is. But he's been absolutely outstanding and will win their best and fairest the leg in the air. And, and Caleb Sarong's work all year, he's led that midfield. Uh, when Andrew Brayshaw was struggling with a knee injury during the season, he, he well and truly took over and said, I'm going to be the man, and he's been superb. Like yourself, I don't think they make the 22. I think the 22 needs to be reserved more for the guys who have helped their teams to win more games, um, because that's the ultimate goal of any midfielder, is to be the player who wins games for his team, becomes a goalkeeping player, or becomes somebody who sets up scores. So I think they'll miss out on the 22, but they're absolutely worth being in that 40. And where does Jai Amis finish in the rising star picking order, do you think? I think he finishes third. Uh, I, th- I think Sheasel and Ashcroft have still had so much of the footy and done so many damaging things with it that they've been noticed more. Whereas if you, if you purely look at Amos and say, he kicked 40 goals, you know, my goodness, that's an amazing season for someone of his age. Uh, but he doesn't win a lot of the footy during games, so he's an impact player at the moment rather than someone who, who you notice for the entire game. I think... Uh, the judges won't have seen enough of him with the ball 
to push him above the other two guys who have had so much of it. So what he's done has been astonishing uh, for, for a teenager. And it ranks as highly as any of the other teenage key forwards we've seen. But I don't think it'll be enough because he's, um, he's quality rather than quantity. And as much as we've enjoyed watching him, I don't think the judges will have seen enough of what they want to be able to push him to the top. And, Craig, I can't let you go without asking you. You're our umpire man. You're our tribunal man. Jacob Wiedering, play in finals or not play in finals? History says you get let off because it's finals, doesn't it? So um, I, I don't like any time, and the AFL doesn't like any time when hands are around the eyes, hands are around the face. It's something that they, they've never uh, had anything but a dim look on. So that's going to put him under pressure. But we do find that when it's a 50-50 or even... 60-40 decision around this time of year, the players do tend to uh, get a bit of the benefit of the doubt. So uh, if it was a home and away game that he was preparing for, you could almost certainly rule him out. Being finals, as much as I'll say it's never um, the consideration, it can tend to be the thing that swings it the right way for you. Yeah, I reckon I wouldn't be comfortable in being suspended for that. I reckon he's, he put his hands on his face carelessly, but as soon as he realises where his hands are, he gets them away. I don't see any gouging or raking motion there. What I would say is if the positions were reversed and it was Toby Green, I wonder what the outcome would be. I suspect Jacob Wietering will play um, finals for Carlton. Cod, always a pleasure to talk to you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Look forward to talking to you a couple of more times, not just on footy, but on basketball in the upcoming weeks. No worries. Have a good day, everyone. Craig O'Donoghue, of course. He's a senior sports writer for the West Australian newspaper. Does a lot of great stuff on footy. Does a lot of great stuff on basketball. What do you think? You can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736. You can call on the open line on 13 12 55. We are, as always, brought to you by Isuzu Utes. And you can live your own way in the seven-seater Isuzu MUX. See your Isuzu Ute dealer today. We'll be back after the break.